0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Welcome to all of you. This is the fourth Sunday, the last Sunday of this blessed month of Ba'una. And as you heard the Gospel right now, it is a very powerful uh, reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. It's a lot in here for us that we have to meditate on. We'll spend a little bit of time today. Most of my sermon will be taken from a wonderful book by a woman. uh, Her name is Roberta Bondi. I believe she's a, I want to say she's a, a nun in the Catholic Church. And the book is called To Pray and to Love. So today we hear from the very beginning, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies again, do good, lend hoping for nothing in return. And the standard that's set for us is so that you can be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. And when we read this in the Gospel of John, or sorry, in the Gospel of Matthew, St. Matthew says, so that you can be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. So Christ is calling us to a very high standard. He's not saying, be the best that you can be. He's asking for more. But the problem is not necessarily, let's say, loving our enemies. That's not the problem. Let's be honest with ourselves. We have to first wrestle and toil with the idea of loving our brother and our sister. We have to deal with that first before we can move on. There's a funny story from the writings of the fathers. Saint Anthony was in the desert and a group of people came to him. And they said, Father, give us a word. So he gave them a word. He said, okay, love your enemies. This is what Christ taught, do this. And they said to him, we can't do that. He said, okay. If you can't love your enemies, at least uh, don't return evil for evil. He said, we can't do that either. He said, okay, if you can't do that, at least love those who love you. He said, we can't do that either. And then St. Anthony told his disciple, give them some food and send them on their way. They need prayers. So I want to say to us that we need Prayers because we're kind of in the same boat. At least these people admitted it. But we try to sort of side, look to the side and, and uh, push things to the side, and we move on with our life. We deal with the things that are in front of us. St. Anthony also said, our life and our death is with our neighbor. Our life, if we want to live, then how we deal with our neighbor is where we'll have that life. But if we don't deal with our neighbor, then it will be death to us. In a different way, we can say we cannot love God without fully loving our neighbor. We cannot love God. Don't fantasize that you're loving God if you cannot love your neighbor. Dorotheus of Gaza, he said that it's like a wheel. And we are all spokes on that wheel. And the center of that wheel is Christ. The closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to your neighbor. But the further you stay away from your neighbor, the further you stay away from Christ. And growth in love is not something that happens automatically. According to the fathers and the mothers of the church, learning how to love means we have to unlearn, unlearn a lot of what happens in society when it comes to domination and submission when it comes to being passive about violence. In our culture, which is not always Christian, it has come to believe that just how the the way things are, are perhaps maybe how life is, this is what God wants, but that's not true at all. Christian virtue and this idea of loving our enemies means we stand in opposition against what is happening in this world. Think about it, just the competitiveness, the rugged individualism, the saying, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's a dog-eat-dog world. The idea of envy, the idea of pride, the idea that we cannot admit our faults. Even the idea that we have to give up sometimes in a situation, we can't, we can't accept it. But we have the idea that we have to get even my neighbor does something to me, I have to do something back to my neighbor. So we have to toil with this idea of love and that it requires growth. And we have to ask ourselves, who is our neighbor? And I want us to, again, return back to the fathers of the church, the Desert Fathers. These, are, these texts are so important and we have to read them. Yes, it's good to read your Bible, but when you want to understand the words of the Bible, you read what the fathers have done. So, who was the neighbor? According to the stories of the monks and the nuns of Egypt, the neighbor was the emperor. The neighbor was the pagan priest. The neighbor was the thief. How many of you remember stories of of fathers who were in the church or in the caves, living in their caves, and thieves come and take what they have? And as they're running away, the father will say, Wait, wait, you forgot my cane. Take that too. The way that we take care of thieves, and I think there's a story even of St. Moses the Black, who when he came to steal, he, he bound them up. He bound them up, and I, and I think there's two versions of the story. One is he took them, he took them to his, uh, his spiritual father and he says, I don't know what to do with them. My old life, I would have hurt them, but I don't know what to do in this situation. And through these stories, you found that many of these thieves would be converted to Christ. The monks and the nuns took care of unwed, pregnant, peasant women. They took care of the harlots. There is a story of a father, a monk, who bought a prostitute. And as he bought this prostitute and she was in the room... He started to pray the first hour, the second hour, and then the Igbeah, and then and, and the Psalms. And then as she realized that he wasn't here to sin with her, she began to listen to him and then was converted and followed him and she it gave her life to Christ for the, for the rest of her days. Who is our neighbor? Obviously, our spouses are our neighbor. Our children are our neighbor. Our cousins, our brothers, our sisters, all of those are our neighbor. And we have to learn to love them and to grow in love for them. We have to ask, okay, so what is love? Love is not a warm feeling of emotion directed towards another person. Because Christ said, if I love those who love me, what credit is that to me? But love is a commitment. <clears throat> When you get married, it's not because you love somebody, or I should say it differently, it's not because you love with this emotional idea of love. When you marry somebody, it's because you have said, I am committed to suffer with this person, to help this person, to serve this person, to be with this person no matter what happens. Love is a commitment which teaches us how to act, teaches us how to look at another person, how to listen to another person, and we have to develop these habits of love. What's a habit of love? Habit of love is not judging. Habit of love is not making fun of the person. Habit of love is not gossiping about the person. Habit of love is not being scornful towards that person. But it's being patient, it's being helpful, it's being respectful. This is how we build a habit of love, and if we build that habit of love, with our brothers and our sisters, then it becomes easier for us to build that habit of love with our enemies. There was a father of the church who said, if you can build this habit of love even if you see one person murdering another person, you'll be able to walk away and say, that person just committed this one sin, but I sin every day, right? It's the way that we look at people and look towards ourselves. We don't even judge a person who's sinning and in the act of it. And there are virtues that help us to love. There are other virtues that we have to acquire in order to help us to love. First of those would be prayer, which is the hardest of all virtues. Prayer draws us closer to God and draws us closer to our neighbor. In the desert, everyone was asking for prayers. The desert, 4th century, monks and nuns. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you. And they pray for encouragement, they pray for healing, they pray for victory over the devil. And this built up their relationship with love. On a daily basis, you have to ask yourself, how many people do you pray for? Of course, mom, dad, children, spouse, cousins, uncles, aunts. We might have a very long list. But we should always add to that list. And I, I want to challenge you today. Try to add your name to somebody else's list. But I know that in our culture we say pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. But, but let's take it seriously. If someone says pray for you, take it seriously. And when you ask somebody to pray for, for you, did I say that right? When somebody asks you to pray for them, take it seriously. And when you ask somebody to pray for yourself, take it seriously seriously and really mean it. Look them in the eyes and say, I need your prayers this week. Uh, Because for some of us, we know that if it wasn't for the prayers of our grandparents and of our parents and of our spiritual fathers, that life would be too difficult to handle. And there are people that are only carried by the prayers of those around them. Praying encourages us to love. And how does it encourage us to love our enemies? Because we can ask God to have mercy on them. If we pray for our enemies every day, we will begin to love them. We will begin to understand more about them. And if you can't pray for your enemy, ask somebody else. Pray for me and pray for this person. Pray for me and pray for this person that I'm having difficulty. But you yourself work on that. Build that up. And you'll see that God softens the heart and allows you to have love towards those who have hurt you. And we'll talk about this again when we talk about another virtue a little bit later on. But the second virtue is humility. Humility doesn't mean that I'm just a doormat that everybody walks over, but it means that I understand myself as a child of God and I understand my worth and my value come from God and not from anything anyone says to me, not from anything that I'm able to accomplish this is humility. One father told his spiritual uh, son, go to the cemetery and praise the, those that are dead in the cemetery. So he went and he spent the night praising them. You're the best. You were the best person I've ever lived this with. You were the best daughter. You were the best son. You were the best everything. Then he comes back and the spiritual father says, okay, I want you now to return. Go back. Curse Everyone in that cemetery. So he goes back. He says, "You are the worst person that ever existed. You were the poorest person that ever lived. I can't believe you lasted this long. You had no friends. Nobody loved you. So on and so." On. And then he goes back. The spiritual father says to him, "What did you do?" He says, "Like okay, a person." He said, "Okay. When you praised them, what did they say?" He said, "Nothing." When you cursed them, what did they say? He said, Nothing. He says, "Be like them." Be like them. In your humility, don't listen for the praise of people and don't be affected by the the people that say things to you negatively. As a humble person, admit when you've done something wrong, but without humiliation, right? I can admit that I do something wrong without feeling humiliated. There's a difference. I can accept praise without feeling pride. And I can be able to see somebody else commit sins and not be shocked by them. That's I think the biggest one is because sometimes the devil uses the opportunity to make us fall by showing us the sins of other people. And then when we show the sins, we become occupied. How dare that person, who do they think they are? You know, they go to church, they take communion. What does that person think he's doing? But in our humility, we have to care about those who are near to us. We have to care about those who are far from us. We have to care about those feelings of other people. We care about our friends, and we care about our family. What happens in our relationship with our friends and our family is we take advantage of it. Mom will always be mom, so I can unload on her. I can treat her poorly, doesn't matter. My spouse, my spouse isn't going anywhere, so I can unload on my spouse and be negative towards them and use uh, words to put them down. That is the opposite of humility, the opposite of love. But in humility, I approach every relationship with tenderness and with care, knowing that we're all fragile, almost at the point of, of, of breaking I myself and the other person. Humility allows me to have that attitude of love towards the other person. Number three, if I said pride, uh, sorry, if I said humility and I said uh, prayer, number three is knowing that we are sinners, each and every one of us. Right? We're talking about loving our enemies. right? And before I can love my enemy, I have to recognize who I am. I am a sinner. And not just a sinner, if I take the words of St. Paul, I am chief, Chief, the first among all sinners. And that's when we can remember that story by St. Abba Pullman, who said that if you see somebody who's murdering another person or has murdered somebody, you'd say, when I've really comprehended myself and understood myself, I'd say this man committed a murder, and he's done this one sin, but I commit sins every day. We have become so quick in our generation to criticize and to be critical of the other person. And this is not what the great teachers of our church have taught us. St. Macarius of the monasteries, uh, the great, he was known to cover the sins of of others. And there's another wonderful story with Saint Macarius, I believe, mm. is that there was a monk who had a woman in his cell. And the, all the people in the monastery said, look, he's got a woman in his cell, let's go get him, let's go you know, throw him out of the monastery. So he's like, don't go, I will go. So he goes and she's hiding under a basket. And he sits on the basket. He said, okay, come on in. Let's search for the woman. And they searched everywhere, but nobody asked him to move because he was an old man and they had respect for him. And so they said, we're sorry. We can't find the woman. He said, don't ever accuse another person of a sin again. And when he walks, they walk out. It says that he he did something like he just looked at the person and then he walked out. No judging, no saying you're wrong, you know, have it, uh, you're know, you going to go to hell with this, this is terrible. Even though he's doing something that could be dangerous, but there's patience and there's love and there's also this attitude of I am the chief among sinners. But we have to encourage one another to be better in a way that is loving and caring. And the final virtue is forgiveness not obviously this culture where we seek revenge over someone who has hurt us. But we desire something better for the other person. If I forgive somebody, I want them to improve. I want them to have a better shot at being a better person. And I know I've mentioned this book over and over again to you, this book about the woman who forgave the murderers of, and kidnappers of her sister um, where she spent many years working on learning to forgive herself the sins that she had committed and forgiving those that had committed this terrible sin against her sister. And she went through this process of looking at recognizing her own sins. And also humility and able to, trying to understand why the other person commits the sins that they committed. She took to thinking and praying about the person and ultimately she was able to forgive the person who kidnapped her sister, held her captive for many years, ended up killing her, burying her. And it wasn't for a very long time that they discovered all of this. She did this. She did this on her own. And not only did she was she able to forgive those people that did this crime but she began to serve in prisons and to go after those that have committed very heinous crimes and to help them to forgive themselves and to work on understanding why they've committed these terrible crimes it's an act of forgiveness to go and help others to forgive and to seek out forgiveness as well (coughs) Before the whole sermon is about before we can begin the the idea of loving our enemies, which is the mark of Christianity, which is the unique mark of Christianity, we have to take seriously this idea of loving our brothers and our sisters. We have to take this seriously uh, and we have to work hard at it. We know that, that song that we used to sing when we were children, they'll know, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, let's take that seriously. Let's, let's make it a point that we are going to act in a Christian way towards those who are around us. Those who hurt us, those who are dealing with us in a difficult way, we're going to be Christian and act as Christians towards them. We're not going to respond evil with evil. When somebody responds evil, uh, in response to evil, we multiply the evil in this world. But if someone does evil towards us and we're able to absorb it, then we've cut off evil. We've cut it in half. All the wars that we're dealing with is because we're not acting as Christians. All the poverty, all the the discrimination, all the issues that are, we have in this world is because we are not... Loving our our neighbor as we ought to. And I give excuse to those that are doing these crimes because they've never seen what Christian love looks like. And for us, when we want to look at what Christian love is, we search in the stories and the writings of the fathers and the saints, and we see, we see the love that they had towards towards another person. I remember the story I told you about the monk. the abbot of the monastery who uh, a murderer came to the monastery and said, I murdered somebody, hide me, the, the authorities are coming for me, they're going to kill me. And he said, okay, I'll hide you, but you have to confess afterwards. So he's hid, the, the authorities the, uh, can't find him, they leave, and he takes his confession. And he describes to the abbot his murder. He says, I murdered this person. And as he's talking about it, the abbot realizes that this guy murdered his brother. And he's crying, and the, and the murderer is crying, and the murderer says, I told you, what I did is too terrible, it's, 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 too, it's too hard for it to be forgiven. But he says, what you did is terrible, but God forgives you. And he gave the person money to escape to another country. But by the providence of God, God revealed to that murderer in the other country that the one he murdered was the abbot's brother, He returned to the monastery and lived the rest of his days there. He threw himself at the feet of the abbot and said, I'm I'm not leaving. This is the power of forgiveness and the power of love. And all of you can do this. And all of you are called to do this. And all of you are equipped to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't started fasting, fast now. So that God may allow us, soften our hearts to be able to love and to forgive and to be true lights in this world. May God give us the ability to to love Him and to love those who He has asked us to love. Those in our lives, those who are our crosses, those who are our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors, our enemies. So that He may be glorified now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen.